0: Hello everybody, it's great to be here, uh, my name is Mark Riggenbach. I'm part of the uh, Deacon Yoke fellow group here, so you may have seen me around. Uh, I did notice the other day that, uh, I am getting a little thin on top, but Kenton talks about being bald, and, but what he didn't say is that he and I have been known to put our heads together and moon people. So you can get a visual on that. Now we aren't going to do it in church, but... (laughs) I wanted to... uh (laughs) I um, forgot what I was going (laughs) to say. Anybody watch TV, right? My wife and I, we... We've decided we don't watch TV so much anymore Is we decide what channel to watch commercials on. You notice that? There's so many commercials, and commercials always have disclaimers, especially those drug commercials. Have you ever seen a drug commercial disclaimer? It's really funny because they have this commercial and it says, if you take this drug, see your doctor about this drug, tell him to prescribe it to you, your life will be better, you'll feel so much better. And then comes the disclaimer, right? And it's in kind of a hushed tone, spoken really fast. So I decided to listen to one once, and it went something like this. Some side effects may occur. Dizziness, lightheadedness, fainting, and in rare cases, death. <laughs> and I thought, did they say death? They did. Because, you know, three or four minutes later when the commercials were back on, I thought, I'm going to listen to that again. And it came on again, and yeah, they said death. And I thought, wow. That's really something, that's quite the disclaimer. So I thought, you know what, I need to give you guys a disclaimer tonight before I get started. So here's my disclaimer. The person speaking tonight does not profess to be a professional speaker, therefore some side effects may occur, (laughs) such as (laughs) boredom, drowsiness, yawning, and in some cases, deep sleep. So if you guys need to take a nap, go ahead, take a nap. It won't hurt my feelings. I won't blame you. But let me ask this question. Somebody. <laughs> Grandpa doesn't know, honey. <laughs> but let me ask you this. What do you guys pray about? Anybody care to just tell me something that you pray about? Family. It's a good one. What else? Our health. We pray a lot for our health. Anything else? Career choices. choices. Good stuff to pray about. Marital choices. How about um, our country? The unsaved, right? We pray for the unsaved. I heard a story once about a little old lady who uh, was in Walmart one day. She was in the canned goods aisle. She had a can of beans. She had a can of corn. She couldn't remember what she needed, corn or beans, as she started praying, Lord, which one should I pick? Corn or beans. I thought that was a little funny. I made fun of that lady for years and years and years. But anyway, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. Um, Open up, if you will, to uh, Genesis chapter 12. I'd like to read a few verses out of, out, of, out of this. It's about Abram. Before his name was changed to Abraham, right? I can't see that clock, so somebody needs to go like this when it's time. <coughs> it says, let's start in verse 1. Uh, maybe we'll go to 6 or something like that. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and La went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, His nephew Lot and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak at Mora. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. So in verse 1, the Lord says to Abraham, what's he telling him to do? Leave get up and move right does anybody here like to move i don't like moving i hate to move i don't know (laughs) you know I, i i i i'm a i'm the type of guy that likes to sink down roots and likes to stay in one place you know and i like to surround myself with family and friends that It's kind of hard for me to find people that actually like me, but at least I can find people that tolerate me, you know. And once I'm there, I'm there. And, you know, when I moved to Kentucky or to this area, I found this little clay hill over here in the corner of Simpson County, and I built a little house there, and I've sunk my roots, and I want to stay there. So I just can't imagine moving. You know, I can't imagine if I came home and I told my wife, I said, honey, we got to move. So what's the first two questions she's going to ask me? why and where right so here's abraham he doesn't really know why i mean god says i'm going to bless you but you got to move and he doesn't really know where either does he so if if i come home and i say honey we got to move my wife's gonna say where and i'm gonna say oh no why i have no clue I mean, you know, that would be a really, really hard thing. I mean, it's hard enough to move when you have a reason for moving, let alone because God tells you to move. That would be a really hard thing. It's hard to move. And I don't want to belabor this point, but it really, really is. There's a up north of here, there's a little town called Mount Eden, and it's located on Highway it's a, it's a state road, it's a two-lane blacktop highway, number 62 between Lexington and Louisville, that, right? You can actually drive from Lexington to Louisville on Highway 62, but it's like 40 miles longer than the interstate, and uh, it's a little winding road, and on this road, there's a little town about halfway called Mount Eden, and Mount Eden's kinda like Gold City. You know, you don't really know where Gold City is. I mean, there's a store there, in a grain elevator, but I really don't know where Gold City is. There's no town square, there's no city hall, but Gold City is, you know, everybody knows where Gold City is except me. I guess I can't quite figure out where Gold City is, and this is how Mount Eden is. It's just a little white spot in the road. There's about twenty families that live there. There's a little store. And you know, it's one of those towns, if you blink, you don't you miss it. So but it just so happens that there was a guy there who was a really good, um, good mechanic. He was a millwright type of guy. He was a machinery installer, and I happened to know these guys. And he and his brother were there, and they got older, and they had kids, and they taught the craft to their, to their sons. And so there was a group of maybe six or eight guys that were really good mechanics and millwrights, and they went all over that area installing machinery and a plant came in in lexington and these guys got called to go install all this machinery and so they were really really good but the contractor who had the contract to install this plant was from new york somewhere i don't know is new york in the united states i'm not sure but anyway he was one of those really slick talking guys from new york and he was so impressed with the skill of these men that he wanted to take them with him he said i could really use you guys he said guys come with me i'll make you guys rich and famous follow me he says and i'll lead you to riches and this one old boy from mount eden he thought about it a minute and he, in with Mountain Dew bottle, you know, like that. Well, boys, I don't know about y'all, but if you follow me, you're going to end up in Mount Eden. And he was going home, you know. He wasn't going anywhere. He was going home, and that's how we are. We're with home, you know. I'm like a tick on a dog's back. I am stuck where I'm at, and I don't want to move. So I am really impressed that the Lord says to Abraham, leave your native country. Leave your home. Leave your relatives. Leave your father's family and go somewhere else. Now, God does say, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. So now, if God told me, Mark, Mark, You got to move, I'd say, oh, I don't want to move. He said, I'm going to bless you, and I'd say, all right. I'm all for blessings, right? I'm all for blessings, yeah, high five, God bless me, but can you do it here, because I don't want to move. But Abram didn't do that. What did he do? Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. So you see, there's some faith there, right? Abram's known as a man of faith, but there was more to it, wasn't there? This was a different kind of faith. This is a kind of faith that produces action. It produces a result. It produces an activity, right? So I think this was a big challenge. It, was a big, it would be a big challenge for me to obey God in the form of moving. But it gets even worse. Or better, I'm not sure. But if you turn to uh, 20 22, Genesis 22, yeah, 22:1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Now his name is Abraham, right? God changed his name. Well, says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Well, wasn't that enough test? (laughs) To me, it's a big test. Over back in chapter 12, that's a big test. But now God tests his faith even more. It says, he said, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Verse 2, God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And you know, we've heard this story, and we just kind of read it, you know. I just can't imagine this. Can you? I mean, it would be hard enough for me to move. (laughs) But to sacrifice my son? I mean I think of my little grandbaby here if God said take her I I just don't have words for that I can't even imagine that but verse 3 it says the next morning now I don't know how long it took Abraham to move when God said move it might have taken him a while to you know get organized get all his things together and and stuff like that but This says the very next morning, the next morning Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Now this is when it really gets tough because Abraham knows knows what this is about. So I got to wonder what's going on in his mind for a three-day journey. It says, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So, you know, I wonder what was happening to Abraham's faith during these three days of travel. Any ideas? What would, what would you be going through with your head for three days? Sounds like three days of agony to me. <laughs> yes i would too i absolutely would and i think he was i'm willing to bet he was because even the lord jesus christ on the night before his crucifixion was talking to the lord and he said father please pass this cup but not my will but yours right so i'm thinking he was i'm thinking he was praying big time i know i'm like that you know, I go to visit my brother in South America once a year or so. And every time when that rolls around, see, I don't really want to go. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not an adventure. Man, it's three days of diarrhea every time you go down there. And, and you don't know if you're going to make the plane and you don't know if the plane's going to take off. This is a third-world country. You don't know if terrorists are going to come out. I mean, I don't want to go. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... And how bad is that compared to this? A lot of times I pray, Lord, you know, do I really need to go this year? Isn't there something else I need to be doing right now? So I can't imagine this. I just can't imagine him saying, okay, the next morning he gets up and leaves. So I got to believe, folks, that there's some difference in the faith that Abraham had than the faith that we have, or most people. There's got to be a different kind of faith. And I think that it's the, it's the difference is is that the faith is a faith that produces action no matter what. Now, I'm not saying I got a handle on this, because I don't. I, I don't even like going to South America on airplanes, for Pete's sake. <laughs> it's just it's just something that's different and you know and I wonder I always have wondered why you know the Bible says that Elijah was a man of passions like ours and yet he could pray and the rain would stop and he'd pray and the rain would start he could call fire down from heaven there's a difference there somehow and I think the difference is is it's the willingness to obey promptly, and it's a faith that produces action. And you know what? The other day I came across a verse that I can show you that says that I'm not making this up. (laughs) I didn't make that up. You know, you can read that into this, but it's not not a stretch. It's the truth. Because if you turn to... um, to James, chapter 2, the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse uh, 21. It says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions, How about that? was shown to be right with God by his actions when he had offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And it just so happens that in Sunday school, this past Sunday, we talked a little bit about that. We talked about knowing about God and really knowing God. So you see, faith alone is not enough. You see, knowing that God exists and knowing that he is supreme and knowing these things, that's faith probably by definition, right? But it's not really enough. The faith has to produce action. And so it says right here that Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness, but it was a different kind of faith, wasn't it? It was a faith that was accompanied by obedience, right? Are we obedient? Anybody have teenagers? Do they clean their room when you tell them? Not usually. Not usually. I was like that when I was a teenager. I never cleaned my room. Shoot, I'd complain, bellyache, and moan, and I'd finally clean it when Dad take his belt off and I'd go clean it you know I could never understand why it had to be clean and you know I could never understand if mom did the laundry she washed it she dried it she folded it why couldn't she just put it in the dresser why did she have to put it on the bed you know I mean <laughs> why do I have to clean my water? but you know my brother he was a suck up he always cleaned his room dad always liked him better too because he was obedient, and he was happy to obey, see? So I don't blame Dad, really. You know, it wasn't quite that bad, but I'm making a point here, right? <laughs> I mean, Kenton mentioned that we worked together in, a, in the glass plant. I was there for a long time, and for a long time I was the maintenance supervisor there. And uh, as a supervisor, you know, you have a lot of problems, and one day a guy confronted me, and he said, you know, you're a sucky supervisor. I said, Well, probably, but is there any particular reason why you're saying that? And I said, He said, Yeah, because you play favorites. I said, Really? Tell me more. He said, Well, you know, he said, Tony's your favorite. And I said, Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, he is. <laughs> He's my favorite, and I'll tell you why. Because Tony does his job. He does it well, and he does it consistently all the time. He does it without me having to tell him, and he does it without complaining. So, yes, he's my favorite, and you could be my favorite, too, if you did that. Do you do that? (laughs) So you see what I'm saying? So it's so much easier to love people that do things that they're supposed to do without complaining. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that God plays favorites, because surely He doesn't. But there's something about faith that produces obedience that I think means a lot to the Lord. I think it means a lot to Him. And this is what I really wanted to talk about tonight. James verse... uh, 23 it says right in the middle of verse he was even called the friend of god and you know there might be an asterisk in your bible there that gives you a footnote that takes you to um, um, isaiah 41 and that's where god was talking to isaiah and he said abraham was my friend so you know what i think we can take from this that If you obey willingly and happily, you're going to become a friend of God's. And I think this is really neat. We were talking in Sunday school about that. We were talking about the difference of knowing God and knowing about God. There's a big old difference, isn't there? There's a big old difference. You know I'm Kenton's friend I've known Kenton for 21 years he said so I know him pretty good you know we've been through a lot together I know his wife I know his kids by name I've been to their weddings I mean you know we pretty much know each other right but I was talking to Margie earlier and she said that Warren had lunch with the guy but he couldn't remember his name and then warren says he works with you and then i couldn't remember his name so you see what i'm saying there's a difference between being a friend and being an acquaintance right so let me tell you a story let me tell you another story Um, back in uh, after the second world war there was a whole lot of work up north and there wasn't a whole lot of work down south and people from the south were kind of migrating north to places like Peoria, Illinois, where I'm from. They were getting jobs at places like Keystone Wire and Laternal Equipment and uh, Caterpillar and places like that and they'd go up there and they'd work. Well, this is kind of a displacement and you know, in the south, we don't like to move. (laughs) We like to go to Mount Eaton and stay there so this was hard on people, where there were these two young ladies who were just recently married and their husbands couldn't find work, so they moved up to Peoria, Illinois, and they lived next door to each other. They just happened to live next door to each other. They were about the same age. Their husbands were about the same age. Their husbands worked at the same place, kind of on the same shift, so their lives just kind of came into sync. And they were next door neighbors, and this is in the city where the only thing that separates you from the other house is a driveway. So these two young women became friends, and they became really, really good friends. And as the years passed, they, they helped each other out in the bad times, and they were there for each other in the good times, and, and when the kids had problems, one would console the other, and when there was sickness, they would be there, and then one of them, her husband died, so the other one was there, and they were just buddies, and then Later, the other one's husband died, so her other friend was there. And you can see where I'm getting with this. They were just really, really, really good friends. They never went anywhere without each other. And as they grew older and older, they became closer and closer. And they were just best buddies. You know what I'm saying? They knew everything about each other. One day they'd be in this one's house, the next day they'd be in this one's house. Sometimes they'd forget to go home, they'd wake up in the wrong house, but they didn't care because they were friends, right? Well, remember the old lady that was, couldn't remember whether she needed corn or beans? She prayed to the Lord about the corn or beans. Well, if that little old lady, if I was walking through Walmart and that little old lady asked me, do I need corn or beans? I'd say, lady, you need a nursing home. You know, nursing home. Here's the number. <laughs> well, why would I say that? Because I'm a stranger, right? But if these two ladies that I'm talking about were in Walmart, and one saying, "You know, I can't remember. Am I out of corn or am I out of beans?" and the other one would say, so she would ask her friend, wouldn't she? And her friend would say, "You know, I think in your pantry." You got two cans of corn, so you need to buy the beans. She said, okay, thanks. Well, that would be cool, wouldn't it? And that would be okay. Why? Because there's intimacy. Right? There's intimacy. Her friend knows what's in her pantry. Her friend knows everything about her because they're close. They're intimate, aren't they? So the little old lady is in Walmart, and she's praying to the Lord can't remember what's in my pantry. She must be a friend with God, you know it? So some jerk like me comes along and makes fun of her. So I think that little old lady's out there, and I owe her an apology because I thought it was funny that she was praying about the corner of the beans, and here she's got a closer relationship with the Lord than I do because they're intimate. They're friends. You know what I'm saying? So let's ask ourselves are we friends with the Lord? Are we? Or are we just acquaintances? Is the Lord somebody we just met at church one day? We just casually met him? Can't really remember much about him. I know his son's named Jesus, but that's about all. So are we acquaintances? Are we strangers? total strangers or are we friends do we have that relationship how close are we and the way to get close is to obey willingly and quick now I think Abraham had something figured out and that's something I think we're shown uh, in Matthew Matthew 16. you don't have to look it up if you don't want to. I'll read it real quick. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. one of my favorite verses, actually <clears throat> it says then Jesus said to his disciples, "If any of you wants to be my follower." You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. So I think that this is what Abraham had figured out. He had figured out that no matter what he wanted, it was more important to do what God wanted. And I think this is where we struggle. We struggle with, yeah, I know what God wants, but I'll trade that intimacy, that friendship with God, For what i want because i don't want to obey you know why is it so hard for me to go i should be excited it's time to go see my brother again it's time to go with him to these towns and preach and talk and do god's work you know every time i've gone somebody has been blessed most of the time me and it's not because of me i'm nothing i can't even hardly remember the language anymore down there let alone take anything with me that's of any value but it's the lord that wants to use me down there but yet I don't want to go. Why? Because I don't want to go. I want to go to Mount Eden. I want to go to my little clay hill and stay there. And so, you see, this is what puts distance between us and the Lord is because we don't want to obey because we want to do what we want to do. So the root of it is is that our selfishness gets in the way of our obedience, gets in the way of our active faith. And then that gets in the way of our relationship. Well, anyway, does anybody else want to add to that? Surely somebody's got a comment. Claude, you're always good for a comment. No? (laughs) Anybody at all want to say anything? I think it's time, isn't it? I think. 656? Well, we'll let out early. Well, if there isn't anything, let's just uh, be dismissed with prayer. Our Father, we, uh, we want to be close to you, and we, uh, we know you don't move. We know that we move, so we just pray, Lord, that you help us deny ourselves and become obedient. And we don't want to miss out on your wonderful blessings. And we don't want to miss out on what your purpose is for our lives. Just uh, help us, O oh Lord, and uh, to, to be closer every day and to be more intimate and more knowledgeable of you and to really know you and not just know of you. And We want to be close friends. We don't want to be acquaintances, Lord. So help us. Help us as we deny ourselves and we seek a closer walk with you. I pray in Jesus' name.